You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. We are on the record with senior advocate and constitutional expert Rajiv Thavan. Now, the reason why I'm interviewing and speaking with Rajiv Thavan is because we need to understand the implications and the, the fallout of a bill that has been passed by both houses of parliament. It was passed by Lok Sabha earlier in the week. We're talking, of course, about the NCT Amendment Bill of 2021, which has just been passed by Rajya Sabha. And if you look at the details, 83 MPs voted in favor and 45 voted against. The reason why this number is very, very low uh, in the senior house of elders is because of the fact that most of the other parties, only other than the BJP and the RPI, which is one of its alliance partners, all the other parties walked out and 45 MPs, of course, voted against it. Uh, so you had the Congress, you had the Trinamool Congress, you even had three parties who usually vote with the NDA government, even them walking out. And that I'm talking about the Biju Jantadal, the AIA DMK and the YSR party. So what is it about this contentious law, proposed law, which is now going to go to the president for his signature when it will become an act of law. What is it that a lot of parties find offensive? They find that it goes against the federal nature of our government and constitution. And what does it mean now? Does it mean that the NCT bill, which comes into play as law, According to that, the entire assembly of 70, that its laws and the decisions that they take are only going to be acceptable if the Lieutenant Governor of Delhi accepts them and gives the go ahead. Is that what it means? Or is it going to be only on specific issues that the Delhi government, the elected government of Delhi, which is led by the Aam Admi Party, does it function as before? Are some of its parts still intact? So to understand all of that, I'm very happy that Rajiv Dhawan has taken out time from his very busy schedule. Thank you so much, sir, for speaking with us. Tell me how you see as this new law, how will it make life and lawmaking and the Delhi government function differently now? In the first place, no enactment should be made like this. The correct procedure, if you're going to make a major change in any law, is to talk to the stakeholders. If required, send it to a select committee, work it out with the political parties, work it out most importantly with the Ahmadbi party, rather than taking them by surprise. It is this majoritarianism of this government no discussion, only passing of laws. We saw that with Kashmir, we are now seeing it with Delhi. But the short answer to your question is, this will paralyze the working of the Delhi government and is intended to make it diminutive and to make it less important. It comes on the heels of a judgment of the Supreme Court, which enlarged 
believes democracy, my democracy, your democracy. But instead of enlarging it, it reduces it in abundant measures. If you want, I can explain the four provisions that have taken place. Would you like me to do that? Yes, please, sir, because those four provisions, I'm assuming you're talking about the clauses, and those clauses were individually kind of criticized by various MPs as well, whether it's clause four, which said that your Delhi government should not make any kind of rules uh, which which uh, refers to the administrative function of the house. So yes, we would very much like you to take us through All those right. four things. It's, it seems ironic that last week you sacked Kiran Bedi for autocracy, and this week you convert the lieutenant governor into an autocrat. Well, I was in college with Anil Bejal, and I know his potential for autocracy. But the fortune is that the government of Delhi will no longer be known as the government of Delhi. That is the change that is brought in Section 21. It will be the government of the lieutenant governor. I don't think Queen Victoria even claimed powers of this nature. Because the clause itself reads that from now on, I'll just read it out to you. The expression government referred to in any law be made by the legislative assembly shall mean the lieutenant governor. And can you understand this? If it were done in federal terms, it would mean the president makes the laws and Lok Sabha and Rajya Sabha are abolished. Therefore, any law that is made will now be made by the president. It will not be made by the legislative assembly, which is the prime assembly to make democratic laws. This substitution is enormous in its consequences. Today, our leader, our president, our legislator is no longer Arvind Kejriwal. It is Mr. Bajan. Now, you might say that this is cosmetics. That in any case, Lieutenant Governor is the head of government, but it was always the elected government in whose name laws are passed. How can it possibly be that it, it, legislation is now filed, is now only in the name of the president, uh, in the name of the lieutenant governor. Lieutenant governor has become the legislator. He has become the advisor. He has become also uh, uh, the, the executive head. The second is, which is in section 24, is what I would call the doctrine of incidentality. Now, this is a very interesting provision because normally, Suppose you are allowed to make laws on fisheries. Then a very expanded meaning has to be given to fisheries. If you make it on public order, which of course Delhi doesn't have the power, an expanded definition has to be given. Consider what Delhi has been doing in terms of education. And then let us read to 24. When section 24 says, that the less assembly cannot make anything that incidentally covers any matters outside its powers. This is not federalism. 
this is not the federalism of our constitution because it is bound to happen that if you do something in education or do something in health it's bound to incidentally croach on the federal government or go outside its powers so mr sesodia who has done so much for education will now be told don't cross the line wherever education is mentioned anywhere else or by the central government you are out this has consequences in constitutional terms because we have a doctrine called pith and substance what you are supposed to examine is the pith and substance of the power now the pith and substance of the power as for example education or health is to be very widely interpreted this provision does says interpret it narrowly yes and as narrowly as you can so because you mention i i know you have other provisions but i just want to interrupt and seek a clarification because you mention education so the big difference is before delhi government couldn't take decisions in the matter of policing and law and order now you're saying empowered by this amendment they will have to defer to the center or the lg even in other matters where they had control before like education sunatra i could not have put it better myself but then you are of course a very seasoned editor and are bound to put it better than me it means a small crossover and you're finished the central government will now say that you have incidentally croached on our path the minister of education will shout and scream in the lok sabha you have incidentally taken our path education is actually with us also and therefore please control yourself now arps entire success has been is ground level contact in matters of health education or otherwise consider what this has with what this means and will mean instead of an enlargement of powers as we normally do there is as you rightly say a contraction of power so the thing to ask you sir is that while it is just called the nct amendment bill of delhi 2021 are you saying that this directly impacts federal powers of all states no what they are trying to control well you know today the bjp and its allies are on the roll they want to conquer the whole of india electorally having conquered the whole of india electorally they want to control certain governments which they think they need to control they've done this in the northeast and of course one of the governments where they've lost massively is delhi this is to control delhi's legislative power important thing let me give you the next two uh, uh yes of this you know there's a case going on of facebook versus delhi i appeared in that for the committee the change in section 33 is you will not make any inquiries into anything now delhi government's committee was called the peace and harmony committee in that there's obviously incidentality there's bound to be there's always a wish that has to be given to all this the sad part of all this is this case was argued for something like 47 hours 
because the judge kept the timetable. That judgment still awaits a decision. So before that decision is made, the changes that are, you will have no inquiries. Now, to, I live in an area quite close to Jamia where things happened. I would like my government of Delhi to inquire into it. But they say, no, you can't inquire into it anymore. You can conduct no inquiry whatsoever. Now comes the final blow, and that is in section 44. The final blow is that before you proceed on any executive decision, you will have to get the opinion of the Lieutenant Governor. Any executive decision, any implementation decision has to go to the Governor first. Now, how does Indian democracy work? Take Article 78. The president has a right to be informed. The chief minister has a right to be informed. But it's unheard of in any democracy to say that first we will take the opinion of the lieutenant governor or governor or the queen, and then we will proceed into any and every executive action. Who then now becomes the ruler of Delhi? Mr. Bajra, the lieutenant governor. He will say, in my opinion, this should not be done. This is a veto power of immense consequences. And just the wording of it, if I may take you to it, the wording is very important. The Legislative Assembly shall not make any rule to enable itself or its committees. That's the case that's going on right now. Committees to consider the matters of day-to-day -day administration of the capital or conduct inquiries to the administrative decisions and any of the rule made in contravention of this before the government shall be void. Retrospective. This means democracy has come to an end. Elections have become meaningless and the lieutenant governor negate any decision that is made. No inquiries will be had. If I say something goes on somewhere, there is a scandal, there is poverty, there is COVID, and we want to in have an independent inquiry into some of these things ourselves so that we can keep our people happy. We can keep them informed. We can get their opinion. No, that's not possible anymore. And therefore, to sum up, the powers of the Delhi government, legislative powers have contracted. Their inquiry making power retrospectively on a matter that is pending, which is sub judice before the court, has been concluded by this amendment. And the opinion of the lieutenant governor is necessary before you take any action. This is a complete subversion of the entire constitution, provision 239AA, which gives us democracy, hope, and justice. So legally speaking, sir, what option does Delhi government and Arvind Kejriwal as chief minister have in order to assert their authority because they were just sworn in for a second term just last year? See, the problem is once legislation is passed, normally these legislations should require an amendment with the consultation of the Kejriwal government. But, you know, we don't follow the best practice constitutional practice. We follow the worst. The worst, don't consult him, put him in a cage, 
and slowly sink him into the Jamuna and so that he can just breathe and nothing more. Ejriwal has no other choice but to file a case to question this. There is no other choice because it is in the teeth of the judgment which has been delivered and it may be in the teeth of the judgment that is to be delivered. But the judgment that is to be delivered on inquiries is a very narrow area. Now they have said no inquiries whatsoever. You're a citizen of this country. I'm sorry, you're, you're a citizen of the world, unlikely, unlike me. Uh, consider what your democratic rights today are. What have they been reduced to in Delhi? The Delhi is not the only capital in the world. There is local government also in London, which is very highly regarded. And sometimes, you know, Labour was in power at the, uh, of the Greater London Council, and it was the other way around. It's true of Washington. It has its democracy, even though it spreads across several states. Just because Delhi is taken as the capital, the constitution makers that inserted this provision very rightly said, look, we can't allow land development in in Delhi to be in the hands of the Delhi government. Because Delhi is the national capital region, we have to keep land out. Secondly, police must be in our hands, otherwise there'll be all kinds of problems if difficulties arise. And the third was, public order has to be maintained. Law and order is your business, public order has to be maintained. Now, the central government already is maintaining public order by calling everything sedition. And that is so for us who talk and more especially for the media who get sat upon. So when they actually drafted Article 239A, creating the government of Delhi, they chose very wisely and they chose equally wisely. That is public order we can't hand over to this government because Delhi must be protected. Police, we must maintain. And the system of maintenance is that Delhi is one of the few uh, areas which has a commissionerate of police. And therefore the commissionerate is then responsible to the, to the home minister. And the third obviously is, is, is land. Look at the way Delhi is spreading. Now, if tomorrow land development has to take place and Delhi is one of, outside Lachan's Delhi, Delhi is one of the worst developed cities in, 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 compared with many other countries. So where did that wisdom of exception that was there in the original uh, creation of, of democratic Delhi why, has it, has, has it, why does it have to be tinkered with? And the reason why it's being tinkered with is not because an exception has to be made to protect Delhi or to develop it better. The exception is in the working of Delhi's democracy. And that's what is invidious about this particular uh, uh, amendment. It's not on something substantive. It is stultifying democracy itself. Your government will now be known not as the government of Delhi or the government of Kejriwal. It will be known as the government of the lieutenant governor. 
you will not go beyond your boundaries. One step outside the legislative boundary and you're out. You will not conduct any inquiries, any whatsoever. And everything must go past the Lieutenant Governor. Tell me what is left of this. How dealing with the process of democracy and how democracy actually works. Mr. Devan, would you say this is the classic kind of confrontation which we've, you know, read about uh, in our basic civics books and, uh, you know, in, in, you know, when you think about the fundamentals of politics that we're seeing a classic confrontation between the legislative and the judiciary, only perhaps in this case, it's the, it's parliament as the legislative also being in confrontation with the state legislative, that's the Delhi Assembly. I don't think that's, that's true. Uh, between the judiciary and uh, the uh, legislatures, uh, many things have been resolved. Indian federalism, however, has always been tinkered with. Party in power has always tinkered with federalism to completely destroy its structure. In 1959, a communist government came into power. And I know from Justice Krishna Ayer that Nehru said, I can't do anything about it. It's Indra Gandhi who has imposed it. From 1965 onwards, what happens? Governor's rule, president's rule is imposed. And now it's run into about 100. What happened in Arunachal? Defections take place immediately. The governor declares president's rule. So when we look at this and report after report, President's rule means that democracy no longer exists in that state. The center takes over. And this has been used from time to time again and again and again. So the bigger clashes have not been with the judiciary. Although in the early days of Pandit Nehru's reign, uh, there was these issues of compensation and land reform. What has collapsed Indian democracy is president's rule, measures of that nature, and now the denial of funds. This GST business can't deny people funds. So the center now has total control and wants total control on the governance of India. And president's role is not a joke. The, uh, the, 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 the governor's committee way back in uh, 1972, the Sarkaria report, the Puchi report have expressed huge concerns. The Forum of Federations in Canada has said, why can't you have cooperative federalism? In the Delhi judgment itself, the uh, Justice, uh, Chief Justice Deepak Mishra says, we must have cooperative federalism. And one of the newspapers, possibly yours, said this is coercive federalism. So this coercive federalism has gone on since times immemorial from the uh, end of uh, Lal Bahadur Shastri's uh, rule after that. Mrs. Gandhi put almost every state she didn't like it under president's rule. Rajiv Gandhi did, did the same and each government does the same. This government swore that it would never do it, but of course it has done it. So it is an important aspect of federalism. The judiciary part is resolved because the judiciary is pragmatic and principled. 
What we are seeing with Indian federalism is neither pragmatic nor principle. It's a lust of power disguised by legislation. That's very evocatively proof, uh, you know, put, sir. My final question to you, we saw a five-judge bench in 2018 put and assert the fact that uh, it's the Delhi government and elected representatives who should have a say and not, and that the LG shouldn't be uh, someone who is obscuring that, who is blocking uh, their expression of power. Uh, are we going to see a long drawn out now legal battle in order to put an end to this or does it look bleak to you? I was in the case. I didn't run away from it, as is popularly said. But in that case, it went to a three-judge bench, then to a five-judge bench. What you're saying is absolutely right. The reinforcement of electoral and parliamentary democracy is the actual uh, uh, center of that judgment. But it left one loophole, uh, in one sense, uh, piloted to some extent by Justice Chandrachur. The loophole was that if there is a conflict between the government and the lieutenant governor, that will go to the president. The danger of this was that governors after governors, lieutenant governors, not just Bajal, his predecessor as well, found many things that they wanted to refer and the threat of referring to the central government was quite a huge threat. What these changes say, no, why go to the central government? Take the opinion of the lieutenant governor first before you do anything. So that safety valve that was there to encourage cooperative federalism, the lieutenant governor will have a chat with the chief minister, chief minister will have a chat with him, they'll explain things, then they'll finalize the real question that is bothering them and that will go to the central government in Delhi. That safety valve has now actually been stopped completely. We will put, we will, we will uh, uh, finish the safety valve when we want to, and we will open it fully and drown every single decision that you take, because in the opinion of the lieutenant governor, it's not a sound decision. Rajiv Dhawan, thank you so much for your invaluable words and giving us that perspective on this very, very complex issue. Thanks so much for speaking to us on the record in uh, on Hindustan Times. Thank you, sir. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast